0: Hello, Tessa. Hey, Jesse. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Spooky Soup Podcast. I have a little update for you regarding the Somerton Man. That was episode eight of our podcast. Uh, if you guys haven't listened to it yet, I recommend you go back and check it out. It's a very mysterious case regarding uh, a guy where his body was just randomly found. And uh, now the update is in regards to the identity of the Somerton man. Uh, 70 years later, they were able to identify him as Carl Charles Webb. Um, We know this because uh, a Dr. Abbott was able to take 50 hairs that had been preserved in the cast that was made, um, and they were able to use the hairs to track down genealogy through a family tree, blah, 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 down to Carl's. Excuse me, Carl Charles Webb.
1: I like Carl's better.
0: <laughs> Carl's.
1: That's so crazy.
0: So pretty cool. Uh, once again, guys, go back, go check it out. It's really good. Um, but yeah, that's all we know. We don't. We still don't know how he died or why he died, why he was there. Uh, but maybe one day we'll figure it out.
1: Yeah, it's still an unfolding mystery. Sure is. Yeah.
0: Awesome. How was your week?
1: It was good. Just uh, been working, nothing too crazy. Went to Hobbs Hollow last night. Nice. Yeah, it was fun. It's definitely spooky at night, so we had a good time walking around.
0: Well, it's haunted, so I would hope it'd be spooky. Yeah. (laughs) Before we get started on our stories, just wanted to say, um, guys, if you, those who are listening, uh, if you have any stories that you would like for us to read, whether they be true or fake please send them in to us. You can DM those to us on Instagram, um, Spooky Suit Podcast, or you can email those to us, Spooky Suit Podcast 801 at gmail.com.
1: Yes, please send us your stories.
0: What do you have for us today?
1: All right, so I have one Reddit story. It's a little longer, so... Cool. That's why I chose it. It is, My father was a truck driver, and this experience shook him to his core. Uh, written by you slash Zacharias Frost, posted to r slash Sleeve. All right, let's get into it. Christmas of 2007 was an event that has always stood out in my mind, and now it always will. I was 13 at the time, and that was my first and only year that my dad missed Christmas. He worked as a long-haul truck driver, and we were used to him being gone for weeks, or even occasional months at a time. He always made it a point to be home for our birthdays and Christmas, however— But that year was different. Mom was worried when he said he had one final load to deliver before the holiday season. His plan was to make the delivery and then be home on the 23rd just in time for Christmas, but Mother Nature had other ideas. As fate would have it, his route from our home in Minneapolis to Billings, Montana would take him right into the heart of a looming blizzard along I-94. Snow was falling in bunches at the time, and Dad said he was debating whether or not to pull over for the night in hopes it would clear up. He decided to try and just keep going when the road made the decision for him. He was only about an hour away from Billings when his truck stuck in an unexpected patch of ice, causing him to lose control and slide off the road into the median. Thankfully, he wasn't injured, but his truck was wedged in nearly two feet of snow. It was around midnight when this happened. He tried everything he could to get the truck out of the snowdrift, but it was of no use. Of course, his phone signal was non-existent as well, so he couldn't even call for assistance. The roads were virtually devoid of other travelers by that point as well. He radioed into a local emergency office, but was told the roads were too hazardous to travel at the moment. In the end, he could do nothing but wait. Meanwhile, Christmas came and went for us, and we didn't hear anything from Dad. Mom was a nervous wreck. Although she tried to hide it, while me and my two sisters were just sad that he wasn't there with us. Thankfully, Dad finally called late on Christmas evening. He apologized profusely for not being with us and promised he would get home as soon as possible. He did just that two days later, and we were relieved to have him back. He returned with a bundle of late Christmas gifts, and all was well once more. Dad was different, though. He was quiet and appeared as though his mind was focused elsewhere. I didn't question him on it, but I could tell that something was troubling him. Life went on, and Dad never missed another Christmas after that. He, in fact, began just taking the entire month of December off to prevent anything like that ever happening again. I didn't know this at the time, but he later told me that he never drove down I-94 again. He outright refused deliveries that took him along that stretch and would take detours that added multiple hours to his trip if it meant avoiding that spot us kids are all grown up now with kids of our own. My son just turned two and our whole family was once again together over this previous Christmas. We sat around watching as mom and dad lovingly spoiled their grandchildren with goodies. I don't think I've ever seen my dad with such a beaming smile. Later that night, when the sugar rush had finally worn off and the kids had gone to bed, dad and I were left alone on the balcony. We sipped some of his whiskey and puffed on cigars as we got to talking. I'll skip over the bulk of what we talked about because it's not really what I'm here for. Eventually, we started talking about his newfound retirement from truck driving, and I asked him a question which I'd never really asked before. You ever experienced anything really creepy on the road? Dad was no stranger to talking about his experiences. He had infamous tales of him getting mobbed by crackheads in Atlanta, hitting a cow in Nebraska, and the things he saw while driving through Ferguson a few years back during the civil unrest. He was never shy to tell them, But this time, he paused. He switched his whiskey around in the glass for a moment, as if silently debating whether he wanted to tell me. I guess I might as well tell you now. He downed the remainder of his drink and clasped his hands in front of him. You remember that year I missed Christmas? By this point, I had almost entirely forgotten about it. But when he said that, a torrent of memories came spiraling back. Yeah, mom was pissed, I replied. Dad gave a hearty chuckle at that and nodded. Oh yeah, she never let me forget it. That was a crazy blizzard, right? When your truck got stuck? Dad nodded. Yep, nearly flipped my rig that night. Ironically, the snowdrift probably saved my life just as much as it screwed me over. He then paused and broke eye contact as if contemplating his wording. That wasn't the scary part, though. Dad explained that the area he went off the road was essentially a barren wasteland. No cities or gas stations around him, just a winding expanse of road in both directions between dozens of foothills. He again mentioned he had no cell phone reception and wasn't sure what to do aside from just wait for someone to pass by. After a few minutes it became apparent that wasn't going to happen. The snow fell in buckets that night and before long it nearly reached the bottom of his door. Dad's truck at the time was a Cascadia 125 mid-roof sleeper. It had a full sleeping compartment behind the front seat and provisions to last him a few weeks if necessary. He wasn't too worried about being stranded, at least not at first. After giving up on getting his phone to work, he crawled into the bunk area of the cab and popped a DVD in his portable TV. He figured he may be stuck out there for at least a night, so he might as well just relax until help arrived. He made sure to insist that if he wanted to, he could have probably figured out a way to get his truck out if he really tried, but he was exhausted and decided to just get some sleep. He said he drifted off not long after, only to awake sometime later to complete darkness. The temperature had plummeted, and he instinctively hugged his arms and felt goosebumps lining his body. He left his truck idling before he fell asleep, but it wasn't running anymore. Confused, he crawled into the front seat to find the keys still in the ignition. He twisted the key, and the engine soon rumbled back to life, but something was wrong. He said the noise of the engine morphed into a gurgling, clanging mess of metal and fluid, that produced a terrible cacophony. His dashboard lit up like a Christmas tree display. Just about every single warning light system came on. Steam began to pour from the hood vents, and the distinct smell of boiling coolant filled the air. After letting it run for 10 seconds, he shut it off in fear of doing permanent damage. He knew that something wasn't right with it and sighed as he contemplated going out into the cold night to see if he could figure out what it was. He bundled himself up tight and popped the hood. He said the night had this almost ethereal silence to it as he stepped out of the cab. His feet crunched in the snow, echoing like crashing thunder when compared to the pervasive silence. He made his way around the front and opened it up, releasing a plume of steam from within. After it dissipated, he leaned in and found something which made him quite confused. Oil and coolant was splashed all over the underside of the hood with many other parts of the engine covered in gunk as well. Dad climbed off the grill and Glanced underneath the carriage, and that's when he found something truly odd. The oil pan was shredded on the bottom of the engine. He said it looked as though someone had chopped it with an axe a couple dozen times. The oil had all spilled out into the snow beneath. Clearly, that was why the engine had been running so rough, but explaining how it happened was another matter entirely. He checked around the area and said it seemed like some of the oil was dripping away from the road and towards the trees. He looked closer and spied what very much seemed like footprints accompanying them. As if the winter night wasn't cold enough, that discovery really tanked his blood temperature. He quickly headed back towards the cab, but as he reached for the handle, something stopped him dead in his tracks. Something moved behind the end of his trailer, too quick to make out any physical details. It moved on two legs and was clearly no animal. Dad just froze. His fight-or-flight instincts seemed to stalemate within him thought about calling out, but said that didn't seem like a good idea. After a few seconds of silence, he made a mad dash to his cab and locked the doors behind him. After grabbing the pistol underneath his seat, he hopped into the rear with his heart racing. He positioned himself, where he was able to glance out both sides' mirrors, but no sign of whoever was behind the trailer. The radio, too, was out, and after trying in vain to get it to work, he sat back up. It didn't make any sense to him. Even if the engine wouldn't fire up, the battery should have had enough reserve charge to power the radio for a little while. He tried calling on his cell phone too, and although he managed to get it to ring a few times, it would always just cut out. Hours passed, and not much of anything happened. He dozed off once or twice, but tried his best to stay awake and wait for the sun to rise. The snow had since stopped, but not a single other car had driven by since he stopped. He figured the pass itself was closed, but hoped someone would have seen him by now. Sometime later, he heard a noise emanate from outside. It started as a slight thump with another soon following, then another and another. The sounds gradually grew louder and his heart lodged in his throat as it grew nearer. Someone was on his trailer, and he didn't know what to do about it. He clutched his pistol tight, aiming it up towards the roof. Just as he was certain the person was about to reach the roof of the cab, the sound stopped. He waited there, pistol trembling in his grip, for them to emerge, but they never did. Minutes turned to hours, and he never heard another sound from the roof. He said after a while, he was no longer even sure if he heard anything to begin with. Eventually, his guard slipped, and the drowsiness took over. He doesn't know if this next part is related, but... He's never had anything happen like it, so I figured I'd include it too. He dreamed as he slept there, but it wasn't a normal dream. He said he remembers walking through a dark forest and viewing it all with incredible, vivid detail. He was completely lucid and says to this day, almost 30 years later, it was the most incredibly realistic dream he's ever had. Even looking back on it, he says it felt so real it's hard for him to distinguish it from reality. He seemed genuinely disturbed as he told me about it too. The forest he was walking through had these massive looming trees that seemed hundreds of feet tall, twisted roots surrounding their bases which sprouted from the ground and twisted all over like tentacles of a kraken. He had to dip and duck behind them as he moved, going further but not knowing why. As he made his way through, he started hearing this noise like the ticking of a clock. It got louder as he moved, and sure enough, he found the source, a large grandfather clock ticking away in the middle of a bundle of roots. He stopped and stared at it for a moment as it ticked away. The clock's tone reverberated but began to slow. In a few moments it had begun ticking much slower and the clock itself began to melt. Suddenly, he saw things emerging in the distance from behind the trees, horrible twisted creatures like the spawns of hell. The sounds of crackling and snarling swirled around him and he began to run. He hurtled and leapt through the roots but didn't make it far. Something struck him hard from behind, knocking him to his chest. He then awoke with a gasp, panting heavily, with a cold sweat permeating his entire body. He scrambled to a seated position while on the brink of panic. His heart was throbbing so fast and hard that it ached. He took a moment to compose himself, and the immense relief that overcame him was one of sheer relief, but it did not last. Something moved at his window, and his eyes shot up. There he saw the face staring back at him. He froze as stiff as a corpse and cold as a glacier. Time seemed to stand still then, but finally he found the strength to raise his pistol. He fired without even thinking. A loud bang reverberated in and the muzzle flare momentarily disoriented him. He looked up to see a bolt hole in the window and no face. After waiting there a few moments, he ventured to the driver's seat and peered out. There was nothing there. No sign that thing had ever been there didn't make any sense to him as he was certain he saw it what made even less sense was the fact that his phone read that it was only 12 13 a.m last he remembered checking his phone read 1208 a.m and he swears on everything that he had to have been at least an hour before he dozed off by this point in this story i had to question myself on whether he was pulling my leg my father is a bit of a prankster for sure but he's never weaved an elaborate story like this before he then spent some time glancing around at the windows and ensuring no one else was around he almost thought he should just leave his truck and start walking back to town but obviously that was an incredibly dangerous notion that probably would have gotten him killed he stared at his phone for quite a while watching the minutes slowly tick onward too slowly he swore time wasn't working as normal several times he counted along to 60 doing his best to approximate the minute. But the minute didn't change accordingly. He eventually just kept counting upwards, finding the minute finally changed when he reached 386. you think that after all these worrying discoveries that sleep would have been the last thing he wanted, but it wasn't enough to prevent. He said he tried adamantly to resist the urge, but the drowsiness that overtook him was impossible to fight off. He found himself walking in the snow, listening as it crunched beneath his feet. A dark and silent forest surrounded him in all directions. It was robotic, as if his body acted on its own accord while his mind drifted in the doldrums. He could barely see where he was going, but it didn't seem to matter. Suddenly he stopped, and seemed to spring back to reality. He glanced around side to side, and sudden terror gripped him. Where was he? Why was he outside? He wondered, he spun back, but couldn't even see the road behind him. "'The cold sunk into him, and then he saw it. "'From further in the woods, a familiar face stared back, "'pale, gaunt, and inhuman. "'It crawled on all fours, shimmering and shifting side to side. "'My father turned the complete other way and ran like hell. "'Tree branches raked against him as he fled half-blind "'away from the thing in the woods. "'Nothing looked familiar, and he just continued running aimlessly "'through the woods, checking behind him periodically,' to see if the thing was following him. He never saw it or heard it, but he knew it was there. Eventually, he smelled a faint scent of smoke lingering in the air. He followed it, hearing a commotion behind him, and soon came across a small clearing. In the center of it was a log cabin with smoke trickling from the chimney. Seeing no other option, he dashed towards it and knocked on the door. Behind him, he could hear odd sounds coming from the woods, and thankfully, the door opened a few seconds later. Who are you? What do you want? The voice of an elderly man called from within. Dad turned and saw the barrel of a shotgun aimed at his chest. He slowly raised his hands to convey he meant no threat. Please, sir. There's... He paused, as he thought that certainly this man was going to think he was some lunatic, but he said it anyways. There's something out there. The man's furious glance reverted to one of intrigue. He then looked past my dad out into the forest, his eyes suddenly growing wide. He backed up, still aiming the shotgun at my dad, while waving him inside. He pointed him over to a chair in the corner. Dad complied and sat as a man locked up behind him. He waited for a couple seconds, but apparently heard nothing of concern. What are you doing out here? My dad then told him what had happened with his truck and the blizzard. He then told him about the odd occurrences that had happened later on, which culminated in him suddenly sleepwalking through the woods. The man sighed and finally lowered his shotgun. He Got my dad some water and took a seat across from him. A lot of weird things in these woods. Dad paused as he waited for the man to to continue. The man formally introduced himself as Duncan and said his family had owned that plot for nearly 100 years. He said he lost count of how many search parties had come through over the years, as well as thrill-seekers, ghost-hunters, and odd people. I saw a face, Dad finally confessed to him. Duncan eyed him curiously. What kind of face? Dad described it as much as he had before, and Duncan just shook his head. Well, that's a new one. He let out a sarcastic chuckle. You hear all kinds of stories, UFOs, Bigfoots, cults, but none of them can ever provide proof. So you don't believe any of it, my dad asked, only to be countered by Duncan? Of course I do. I've lived out here long enough to know that we humans do not dictate these woods. There are things that lurk in shadows all over the globe, and we may never understand them. But as for what you saw, he paused for a moment, seeming to contemplate, as he folded his hands on his lap. There's a group of Native Americans that are rumored rumored to once have lived here. The Apu Ever heard of them? Dad shook his head. Neither had I. But a friend of mine who has since passed told me about him. He was an Arapaho man himself, and said that for generations his people had told tales of these Apokeri. Most other groups feared him, said the things they did were pure evil, more so than the standard tribal warfare one would expect. People said they held these rituals and experiments and were rumored that their cruelty was matched only by their intellect. Some people say they weren't even human. But that's neither here nor there." Duncan trolled off once more, taking a sip of tea from his table. One of the rumors that many people attribute to the apple carry is that of the... wrong ones. A lot of names for them, really. Not rights, liars, uncannies. Things that look human, but ain't. And Some look less human than others. Long faces, wide mouths, huge eyes. Lots of variations. Some say they can affect time and space itself, and others blame them for a lot of weird disappearances. He paused and took another sip. I can't speak to the validity of all that firsthand, but things were certain. There are a lot of weird disappearances, and no one seems to have an answer for them. The air from the room seemed to deflate from his torso, and Dad eyed the curious man. He'd clearly seen a lot over his time, but Dad didn't know how much of this tales to believe. He still doesn't. If all these things are happening, then why do you live out here? Dad finally asked. Duncan reclined in the seat and thought. Dad expected an answer related to his inherited property, but the reality was a bit different. He did in fact mention his ancestral home being part of it, but had more to say. If I was 20 years younger, maybe I would leave, but I don't think it'd matter. There ain't a place on earth you could run to if they wanted to get you. Dad said a shiver descended his spine then, and Duncan didn't seem boastful or wild as he spoke, but more as though his realization was just a foregone conclusion. Thankfully, Duncan allowed my dad to stay the night, and in the morning, the two of them made their way back to the road. Luckily, he had a big Dodge diesel and was able to plow through the snow with relative ease. They soon reached my dad's abandoned rig, finding it in even worse state than he'd seen it the previous night. Multiple tires were slashed, windows were broken, and the engine was absolutely shredded from the bottom. After looking around, though, he found nothing had actually been stolen. Duncan gave him a ride to town to get his truck towed, And a week or so later, he was finally headed home. So, do you you believe in that kind of stuff? I finally asked him after he seemed to be done telling his story. Well, I'd be kind of stupid not to now. He and I both laughed at that, but clearly he had more he wanted to say. It was a really weird experience for sure, but I've always thought that maybe I misremembered it or subconsciously exaggerated it in my mind. Something about it, though, is just so haunting like I saw something that night that I wasn't supposed to see and never want to see again. He just sat there for a moment in silence, and I figured it best not to ask any more questions. He eventually told me that between the time of him crashing his truck to when he finally made it to the town with Duncan, that three entire days had passed. He still doesn't know how to account for that, and apparently Duncan didn't either. There's a lot of unanswered questions to this that he may never get the answer to now kept in touch with Duncan over the years but he unfortunately passed away in 2019. I love my dad and it's disconcerting seeing him that way confused and terrified. I cannot completely attest to the validity of his story but I believe him. For many who read this I'm sure it will just amount to words on paper or maybe a fictitious story that entertained you for a few minutes but to me it's a horrific possibility at the very least. If anyone has any experiences like this or theories then feel free to share them. Whatever the case, you won't catch me anywhere near I ninety four in Billings anytime soon.
0: Ooh, creepy.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, you know what's funny is this is actually very similar to a story I have for next week. You're kidding. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that is creepy. Yeah. S- face, and then on all fours, running mm-hmm. around. Ugh. No, you thank kn- you.
1: Yeah, you know that game until dawn. I think it's the monster from that, the Wendigo, because it mm, crawls okay. like that, mm-hmm. like how it was described, and it has a long face. hmm Yeah.
0: Gross. Creepy.
1: Well, if you made it this far, thank you for <laughs> staying in tune for that whole Reddit story. I'm excited to hear what Jesse has to say.
0: All right, I'm just going to go ahead and start. Tucked away in a little part of Connecticut lies a small abandoned village called... Dudley Town.
1: I think I know this one. <laughs>
0: uh this uh Dudley Town has been all over my TikTok feed and all over the internet lately in creepiness. Uh, so I figured I would go ahead and cover it as well. All right. So for all those who have never heard of it, there you go. Established in seventeen forty, Dudley Town was a thriving community of farmers, iron workers, timber workers, and people just wanting to find a quaint place to live. However, that is no longer the case. This comfortable little town had a string of very bad luck. Those that have visited Dudley Town can't really describe it besides being otherworldly. The strangest thing that people have mentioned is that once you enter, it is completely silent. You cannot hear animals running around, birds chirping, or even bugs or crickets.
1: That is just a red flag to me,
0: right? It's yeah, weird. it's a weird thought. It's as if you were standing inside a recording studio booth. Odd. It's Don't like, like that. The outside world is silent or muffled, and you just can't hear anything. One of the things I find interesting is when people report. Uh, when they take pictures um, in in Dudleytown to try and get some type of photographic evidence, uh, either they go back to look and the pictures are gone, or uh, the camera's batteries are um, drained. Um, but as soon as they leave the property, the everything's working fine.
1: Oh, so like a energy surge, battery surge
0: something like that yeah there are multiple reports of this phenomenon happening in Dudley town that's why it's difficult to find decent images of it if you actually try and Google Dudley town you will only find a select few and I have those I will post those on our Instagram so look out for that um, those were from an investigative team that went there but they were taken from like a fisheye lens and so it's they're not the they're, they're not the best pictures, and it was also at night with a flash so and it's only like two or three it's not much
1: oh come on, do better, come on people, do better
0: those who have visited Dudley town have described overwhelming feelings of terror uh, mysterious lights, sights and sounds, and even being touched, pushed, and scratched by unseen hands
1: okay huh.
0: Investigators all agree that there is something out of this world going on in Dudley Town. Many say that the entire village is one big portal to hell or a darker place. They're not sure. This could explain the many horrible things that have happened there. Demons could be running around, terrorizing anyone who visits, or in earlier times, just settling their lives in Dudley Town.
1: So, what happened?
0: So, Uh, we'll get there. As Money Inc. notes, the record's still in existence from the time tell of a town plagued by strange illnesses, disappearances, and reports of strange creatures roaming the area at night. In fairness, most of the reports came from people who were later declared insane. But still, if you think there's no smoke without fire, the suggestion of a royal curse might explain it all. According to legend, Dudley Town's demise can be traced back to 1510, the year in which Edmund Dudley was sentenced to death and beheaded for his part in a plot to overthrow King Henry. Whoa. According to the same legend, the Dudley family was cursed with death, unrelenting horror, and all other kinds of unspeakable things for Edmund's treason.
1: Jeez, poor guy. I mean... Not poor guy, but poor family of the one guy.
0: (laughs) Poor family of the one guy, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) As Ancient Pages states, it is said that one of the Dudley brothers went insane. At a barn raising, a man fell to his death on one occasion. Some think he was murdered, some think it was um, an accident. There's no real backstory to it. Um, lightning struck and killed a Dudleytown woman right on her porch.
1: Oh, that's just bad luck.
0: Horrible luck. Uh, she was the wife of General Herman Swift, who later went insane and then died soon afterwards. A sheep herder lost his family and home. His wife died of tuberculosis and his children disappeared. When his house burned down, he wandered into the woods, never to return. And I read in another article that uh, when his children disappeared, they walked into the woods and never came back.
1: Oh, okay. So, so he followed that.
0: I don't. Yeah, maybe he like followed it to kind of see, find his kids, or find out something happened to them, or something. I'm sure they tried that before when they did go missing. It has been reported that two women, Mary Cheney and Harriet Clark went insane in Dudley Town and committed suicide. In fact, Clark allegedly claimed she saw demons before she died. Same. Same. Demons every day. So pretty much what's going on, there's all the lore and stories and rumors of Dudley Town are not 100% definite. They're just stories. Okay. But it doesn't explain the weird things that happen in Dudley Town. Right. Locals say it's too much. The rumors, hauntings, and curses scare them to the point that even they refuse to go anywhere near Dudley Town. So if you're a local, you know all about it and you're just like Nope. 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 All that remains of the village is only the cellar holes and a few stone foundations. So just ruins at this point.
1: Hmm, okay.
0: The roads sit covered in vegetation and are now considered hiking paths. Essentially, the abandoned village is now privately owned. You can ask for permission to visit, or if you're brave, you may you can go visit on your own. But you will—it's like a guarantee—you will be caught by the landowner, and it's not going to be good. Uh, they will call the police, and you will be handed a $75 ticket and maybe a night in jail not worth it it's not worth it just ask there are hundreds of no trespassing signs um kind of sprawled out throughout the whole area there are reports saying that people have just driven up to the property line but as soon as they get there they're met with a flashlight in their face and an angry landowner barking at them to drive away and never to return so it's like as if whoever currently owns the area is just constantly patrolling
1: must be. Something yeah. like that. Maybe he has like motion activated cameras or something so he knows when people get close to it.
0: Yeah. Something along the along those lines. I think that's my guess. Thermal
1: as well. imaging systems, I don't yeah. know.
0: <laughs> he has like a whole security system <laughs> in his in his basement with multiple monitors. And yeah, stuff. he just
1: has like a nest of cameras yeah. and screens. Yeah, why
0: not? The current owners have no desire to have their identities known to the public. So when it does come to getting permission to visit, it kind of makes it a little difficult. Um, as we have discussed in an earlier episode, K's Cross, another great episode if you guys haven't checked that out. I think number
1: one, that, baby, that was,
0: yeah, episode number one. Um, why not open the village to the public? Case Cross, if you guys don't remember, it is um, it's a similar scenario. It's, uh, the landowner hated when people trespassed. They were constantly patrolling it um you get in big trouble if you were caught i did it in high school a few times eventually the landowner said hey you know what if these people are gonna just come on the property why don't i just open it to the public but i'll charge them so he turned it into a kind of like a haunted attraction essentially so i mean why why don't these same owners of Dudley town do the same thing
1: it would be smart be financial moves, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's in Connecticut, which I imagine is beautiful in the fall. Oh, yeah. Um, Even though they own it, they want nothing to do with it. It's as if they want it to be completely forgotten. I mean, I think they're trying to hide something. Maybe they know that there is a legit portal in that area, and they're trying to keep everyone out so that you know bad things don't happen. Do you think they made a deal with the devil? I don't think we'll ever know. So, is it really haunted? One of the lasting Dudley Town descendants that is actually still alive, uh, Gary P. Dudley, came forward debunking all supernatural curses, stories, hoaxes, and rumors. He claims there are no traces of the town being cursed. The only thing that led to Dudley Town's demise was poor town planning and the end of the iron industry. However, as someone who loves the paranormal, I'm just going to ignore everything Gary says.
1: Yeah, same.
0: that's Dudley Town.
1: Oh, okay, that's that's so cool. So at the beginning, when you were like talking about this town, um, I was like, oh, I think I know this. I thought you were going to talk about the town that's constantly burning, and it was the inspiration for the Silent Hill games.
0: Oh, I don't know what that is. No? Cool. Another Maybe st- you'll have to cover it. Another story.
1: Yeah. However, this was a much more pleasant surprise. Oh good. I've never heard of Dudleytown. Fantastic.
0: So, here's an image of the front gate uh to the just the area. You can see it's pretty much overgrown. It's like a it's not even a road anymore. It's more of a path.
1: You wouldn't even know that there's a town. It's just all foliage.
0: Yeah. Um here are the two pictures. So these are stills from some investigators that went there. It looks like this one's of the just the woods. And this one's of a building.
1: Oh wow, that building looks creepy.
0: Does look creepy. And what's funny is there's a for sale sign right here.
1: Oh, I don't what? know.
0: Yeah, strange.
1: Uh, let's go on Zillow and <laughs> <laughs> see if it's on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real.
0: So yeah, there you go.
1: Dudley Town.
0: Uh, so once again, there's no, from what I could find, and you guys can obviously correct me if I'm wrong. But from what I could find, there's no actual historically written down, reported incidents of legitimate, um, hauntings and stuff like that. It's just a very creepy place to go. Do you have anything else? That's it for me. All right, guys, we will, uh, scare you in the next one.
1: Stay spooky.